John, the 10th chapter, this is obviously known as uh, quite a chapter and reveals the very heart of Christ towards us. And that heart is revealed to us in, in uh, such a way that, that God gave it to the Apostle Paul, uh, especially in a very deep, deep way uh, with the epistles and especially in, in the book of Romans and the book of uh, Ephesians. But we see in the 10th chapter, it's, it's, uh, he's the shepherd. And uh, where it speaks about the shepherd, of course, is Christ himself. And, uh, of course, the porter that opens for the, for the sheep to hear his voice, in this sense, is the Holy Spirit. So he would be the porter in John 10, uh, verse 3. To him, the porter opens to him. That's who the, the Holy Spirit opens up to us continually. And uh, the sheep, when the Holy Spirit does it, when the Holy Spirit reveals things to us about Christ, that's the, that's the only place we can really hear in terms of receiving what's ours. And, th and then when we hear him, when he, the Holy Spirit is the one who's in control and the one who takes the things of Christ, the word of Christ, and imparts it to us in an experiential way. And then, of course, the sheep can hear his voice. It really even, in, in that sense, is not the speaker's voice. It's not the vessel's voice. It's the shepherd's voice. And that's what the Holy Spirit opens up. And then what do they hear as a result of that? Well, they hear, again in John 10, verse 3, that he calls his own sheep by name. In other words, he's revealing things to each of us in the depth of intimacy and in a personal relationship to us. And when that happens, it says he leads them out. When we hear his voice, He's going to lead us out of anything that's not of his voice. And we see in verse 4, when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. And that's a beautiful thing. So that just simply means that any situation and circumstance or anything that we have to face, he has because we're his own. In that sense, he's gone before us. Uh, the whole time he walked the earth, that's what he was doing. He was going before us, and every single circumstance and situation that he faced, it was for us. <laughs> that's why Romans 8.31 says, since God for us, and God couldn't be any more for us than he was in his son, sending his son and allowing his son to go before us in every circumstance and situation that we would ever face. He went before us. So he goes before his own sheep. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to, to look at here. We shouldn't pass over that too quickly. We are his own. We are owned by him. And the Holy Spirit, the one who is the porter that opens up the voice of Christ to us and tells us we're his own, the very Holy Spirit is the one who seals us. And a seal speaks of a proof of ownership. So the proof that we are his, 
the proof that he knows us by name, the proof that we are his own, and the proof that he is leading us out of anything is the fact that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit opens up to us the voice of Jesus Christ as he speaks to us as his own. And only he can do that in the way of intimacy that we deeply desire. And of course, he's just fulfilling our desires because first and foremost, it's his desire. So you can be sure if you have godly desires that they just are an answer to what his desires are for us. So he puts forth his own sheep and he goes before us. And knowing that he's gone before us and trusting him that he has in every single area, well, then the sheep can follow him. In other words, we can go through anything because he's been through everything. The sheep follow him. That's who, who we're to follow. And why? For they know his voice. If there isn't anything like knowing his voice because when you and I know his voice we know in Ephesians 1 6 that we are and we were accepted in the beloved in eternity past we're accepted that's what we know when we hear his voice we're forgiven we're totally forgiven he's the one that in Psalm 103 verse 12 removed our sins as far as the east is from the west that's what we hear when we hear his voice. We hear that, that he is so for us that not only has he given us everything, but he's given us himself. <laughs> the proof that we are his own is the fact that he has given us his life as the cost to obtain us. And so consequently, when you and I get to hear his voice, and remember, the only way we can hear his voice in intimacy is the, the porter and the Holy Spirit. He's only going to open up to us what, who Christ is and what he's accomplished on our behalf. That's the door. See, the porter opens the door. The door is Jesus Christ. The porter is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to open up to us the voice of Jesus Christ to us. In other words, he's going to tell us and give to us exactly what we need by the Holy Spirit opening it up to us. That's why it's so very important for us to always think in terms of grace. That's why Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And of course, before it proceeds out of our mouth in words, it's a thought. We ought to never think about ourselves outside of the grace of God. That's what that's saying. And then, of course, we are to never think of others outside of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, God's divine good, and when it's God's divine good accomplished by Jesus Christ, it is let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, what? For the use of edifying. In other words, it's going to build us up. And to give them an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. So 
We ought to let no communication proceed out of our, no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. But that which is good, that means we have to receive it because there's no good in us. There's no good in us trying to perform. It is receiving the good that's been accomplished through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said in Romans 7, verse 18, I know in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. And that's why Jesus said in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit, here, here we go again, it is the Holy Spirit that quickens, or in other words, imparts life, the life of Christ. The flesh profits nothing. That speaks of performance. That speaks of self-occupation. And oh, how Satan wants to use the past to rob us of present blessings and the absolute assurance and acceptance of a glorious future. So, we ought to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We need to be careful what we submit ourselves to. We need to only submit to his voice and to his voice only as our only authority. And then that's why it says in Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed. In other words, he's saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, who is the seal and proof of you being owned by God. You're owned by God. That's why it says, since God for us, who could be against us? I mean, we are owned by God through Jesus Christ. And so don't grieve the Holy Spirit by thinking outside of grace, because whatsoever is not of grace is corrupt. It's worthless. There's no life in it. There's nothing about Christ. There's no, there's no glorifying God. So in other words, it doesn't glorify God when we try to put ourselves on probation when we fail. It doesn't glorify him. What does glorify him is when we, by faith, even if we sin in 1 John 1, 9, we simply confess it. Serious. And then God will bring in a godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, that, we will, that will allow us never to regret. Can you imagine? A godly sorrow which we'll never, ever regret. So, in a sense, God is saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit for revealing just who you are and how much God loves you and who you are in Christ. Because he's the one that's the proof and seal of ownership to you until the day of redemption, meaning our physical bodies. So, that's the voice that we're to hear. And we're not to follow a stranger, but we're to flee from him because it's not his voice. We're to flee from the voice of legalism. For you and I will not know the voice of strangers. That's a stranger's voice. When someone tries to put us under legalism or when our flesh would try to do that, we realize that in Romans 10 verse 4, that Christ is the end of the law 
for righteousness. We don't have to try to be righteous. We are righteous in him. In other words, we have a right standing before God in Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 5, verse 1, makes it very, very clear, and here it is. Therefore, and we've said before, therefore is taking in chapters 3 and chapters 4. So when you see therefore in Romans 5, verse 1, therefore is, is all the truth that's in chapter 4 and in chapter 3, and they're really incredible when you understand them, and just when you read them. So therefore, being justified, therefore, being cleared of all guilt by faith, and faith is the Greek word pistis and simply means absolute dependence upon Christ and what he says. When we do what we have, peace. What do we have? Peace. And when we have peace, what does it cause us to do? Just like the song said, our only resting place is in him. How many can rest if you don't have peace? But we have peace. Look at, listen, we have peace with God. In other words, it's already established. We're not trying to get peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ because he made peace in Colossians 1, verse 20, through the blood of his cross, through being the sacrifice. So we have peace with God. Is there anything more that we need? We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom? <coughs> See? So it's faith, right? Does it have anything to do with us performing? doesn't have a thing to do with us. It has everything to do with who he is and what he's done. Grace is who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. It's never who I am and what I've done. I am to never know myself outside of who Jesus Christ has made me to be in him based upon what he has accomplished for me. And he's already finished it. So by whom also we have access by faith, total dependence upon him, not performance. That means I can operate in faith, dependence upon God in my very weakest moments. Usually that's what it takes sometimes for us to absolutely depend upon him for everything when we're at our weakest. And then he supplies us his strength in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, and we can declare like Joel 3, verse 10, let the weak say, I am strong. Because we are in him. That's the voice that the Holy Spirit, the porter, is going to open the door of Jesus Christ. That's the door. It's the access by dependence into this grace. It's saying, and the Greek is saying, it's this grace. There's no other place. There's no nothing else for us but the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Remember, 
He was made, the word was made what? Flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of God. He was full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth in John 1, 14. So we have access by absolute dependence into this grace. So when we absolutely depend upon him, not upon ourselves for anything, but when we absolutely depend upon him for everything, that dependence releases grace. Something you and I cannot do without. You know, we can't make one single adjustment in life. And that's what life is. It's making adjustments to every circumstance, every situation we face. And we cannot make those adjustments apart from grace. We'll see that in James 4, 6 through 10. But we have access by faith into this grace. Look what it says. Wherein we stand. Standing here and rejoice in the hope, in other words, the guarantee of the glory of God. You can guarantee, God can guarantee you one thing. Grace glorifies him and not another thing. You can be sure because it's all about his son. And it's all about his son in us. And he doesn't see us separated from him ever. <laughs> we may think, and we may through feelings, remember feelings this morning, they're like the roller coaster, they're up and down. But God is the same. I am the Lord your God, I change not. Malachi 3, verse 6. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie or ever change his mind. Has he not said? Has he not said? And will he not do it? Has he not spoken? And will it not come to pass? That's all fulfilled in Christ. Has he not said? What did he ever say apart from Christ? Has he not said, and will he not do it? Did he do it? Has he not spoken? And who is the spoken? Who is the word? Who is the word made flesh? Has he not spoken, and will it not come to pass? Listen, it's come to pass for us. We have a standing, and that standing, whenever you see stand, it speaks, a standing is our position in Christ, never changes. Okay. My experience might, but my standing never does. My state, my condition may change, but my position in Christ, God's view of me, never changes. Whew. Amazing stuff. Amazing truth. Amazing truth. That's what the Holy Spirit, the porter, opens up to you. That's the voice of Jesus Christ speaking to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking to me by the power of the Holy Spirit, telling us constantly about who we are in him, who he is in us, who he is and what he's done, not who we are apart from him and not what we've done apart from him because he has done it all and he did it for us. That's God for us, who against us. We said those scriptures in Romans eight thirty one. And in Psalm 56, verse 9. And so we rejoice in the hope, 
the guarantee of the glory of God. In other words, you can be guaranteed that God is glorified by you and I receiving grace, receiving who we are in Christ. So we are declared guiltless. In our experience, there's a declaration that the Holy Spirit wants to make to us. In our experience, because he's teaching us, and this is why we teach sanctification this way. Sanctification, first and foremost, we have been justified. To be justified means that in the courtroom of God's justice, we have, through Jesus Christ, have been to be, by God, declared guiltless. (laughs) Based upon who Christ is and what he's done, Never who I am or what I've done. Never. That's what it means to be justified. And of course, that goes right along with our salvation. It goes into re, uh, redemption, regeneration, all these different truths that are in the Word of God. And then, the moment that you and I were justified, cleared of all guilt through Jesus Christ, in the same time, at the same time, we were sanctified. And sanctified means to be made holy to the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. So to be made holy is brought out in Hebrews 2, 11. Both he that sanctifies, he that makes holy, that have anything to do with us, then have a thing. Both he that makes holy and them that are holy (laughs) through what he did are all of one and he is not ashamed to call us brethren so sanctification goes right along with you and I being declared guilt free based upon Jesus Christ he's the spotless lamb all the types in the Old Testament all the types in Exodus and Leviticus especially It had to be a spotless lamb. That's where you and I have our standing in Christ who fulfilled it. He's the antitype that fulfilled all the types and all the shadows that were pointing to the substance. You and I are in the substance of who Christ is and what he's accomplished. So, being declared guilt-free, we now... And instantly we were positioned, that sanctification, we were positioned in Jesus Christ, positionally. Now that is being worked out in us in Romans 8, verse 28, all things, because of this all things are those that are in Christ, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for what? For God's divine good. Why does all things work together for our divine good? Well, because we're in Christ who accomplished all the good that needed to be done. All things work together for the good. That's agathos. That's God's divine good. To them who are the called, and they they love God. Why? Why do we love God? Because he first loved us in 1 John 4.19. And please keep in mind in 1 John 4.10, herein is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
as a reality. So now that's being worked out in us. Why do all things work together for the good? To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Because God's purpose for you and I was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's where we're located. And then in Romans 8, verse 29, we are to be conformed to his image. Oh, boy, that's huge. When we look in the mirror, when we look at ourselves, or when we think about ourselves, is it the image of who we are in Jesus Christ? Has everything to do with how we'll behave, how we'll think, how we perceive ourselves, how we think God thinks about us. It's very vital. But Romans 8, verse 29, we are to be, what is God's purpose? To conform us to the image of his son. That takes in sanctification. And sanctification is this. And we'll, we'll stop with this. And this is the voice, the Holy This is what the Holy Spirit, who's the porter, opens the door and shows us who we are in him. Right? Because he's the door, isn't he? Isn't Jesus the do- door in John 10, verse 7 and 9? And he's God, right? He was God in the flesh. So who's the only one that could open the door to God? It has to be God, the Holy Spirit, to show us what we have in Christ. That's why it's never about anybody else but Jesus Christ. And it's never about you and I ever seeing one another but in Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And submitting to one another in Ephesians 5.21 in the reverence of Christ. So, sanctification is this, and we'll close with this. Sanctification is this. God, and we've said this before, but God is making us to become what he already made us to be. God is making us to become, in time, on earth, in our present condition, what he already made us to be in eternity past in Christ Jesus. That's sanctification. So the position of what is ours in Christ through being declared guiltless by receiving Christ and then being positioned in him, sanctification, now is to be worked out experientially in our life so that when we get in tough situations and circumstances, they seem absolutely impossible. We can experience the truth of who we are. Because God's not the God of the possible. No, he's the God of the impossible. So our life has to do about so much more. Listen, our life is way bigger. And we tend to think and we all do this, and it's fine, it's okay. But we tend to think that everything is about my life with God and all my problems and everything I go through. It is so much more than that. When we understand also that in 1 Peter 1, verse 12, the angels are looking in to the church, you and I, to learn things about God about their creator, Christ, that they could never otherwise know about him. So our life is way more than just about us, although we tend to think that way. Yeah, we can be that way. But it's much wider for us. It means much more. Because, why? Because we have Christ in us. Christ in us. 
He's the voice. He's the voice. I'll just leave it at that. He's the voice. He's the, and that's the one the porter opens. That's why, no matter who shares it, when they share it, really, it's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. The power of God, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God? In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, it's Jesus Christ. That's right. And the Holy Spirit is the power source that opens the door to the voice of Jesus Christ and he speaks it to us. He's the only voice we should hear. What kind of voice are we listening to? Is it a voice of condemnation? Is it a voice of performance? Is it a voice of you do? Is, is it that? That's a stranger's voice. We're never to follow that. Why? We've been justified. We've been cleared of all guilt. And God, through having already, through Christ, positioning us in him, sanctifying us, setting us apart from all that into him. And now he's working it out in us while we're on earth. So if you really want to understand, sanctification is very simple. This positional sanctification, and God wants us to make that our experiential sanctification. He wants us to experience only, and we can only experience his voice by the Holy Spirit opening the door to who Christ is and what he's done. It's never who I am and what I've done. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for the truth. Thank you that we have peace. Nothing else has to be done. We already have peace. He, in Ephesians 2.14, is our peace. And we need to keep our mind stayed on him. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace is who Jesus is and what he's done. And then we have, when we have that peace, we can have fellowship with the God of peace. So we thank you and we praise you. And our feet are shod with the gospel of peace in Ephesians 6, 15. So everywhere that we walk through this intimate relationship that we have, we have peace and we can be, that, that's our message to whoever sees us. We thank you in Jesus' name.